Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Keith the Kentucky, and you're tuned into another episode of So There's That Podcast. Money, hoes, cars, and clothes. That's how all my niggas roll. You know what I'm saying? Blow and Drow, episode 24. Now, this was, I gave y'all a little throwback <laughs> for um, before T.I. got a hold of the sources and started using big words that he didn't understand the context of. Um, that's when we really appreciated T.I.'s point of view before he went by tip, before Family Hustle, before we found out how big of an actual fuckboy that he was. So let's just just let that memory, just just let it burn and uh, appreciate a time when when T.I. was Mr. Rubber Band Man. Wow, it's the Taliban. Nah, no more right. 25. What was 45? See, I don't be... Speaking of weapons... I don't be handling 45s, but I'm um, currently this last week, I was uh, doing all of my preparation training for rifle and pistol qualification that I'll be doing next week. So next week is going to be like just horribly early, pointless mornings <laughs> all week. So y'all will probably be getting a late episode next week because in between that, I told you guys, getting ready for a, a promotion board. I had two kids back to back. Two-year-old and almost seven-month-old, and it kind of kept me from doing a lot of the the annual training that I needed to do. So I'm trying to play catch up right now while I can before this promotion board goes into effect. So if y'all want to send me all the positive, great energy, uh, prayers, whatever you guys practice, go ahead and send it to your girl. I'm really trying to do everything I can. Matter of fact, right after this episode, I'm gonna go into a little bit of training that I need to do over the computer, get that done, and then hopefully, um, once I finish that, that is my cue to go ahead and re-enroll in school and get my bachelor's degree. Because I told y'all, 2019 is mine. 2019. So I'm really just trying to get all my stuff together and really just follow through on all the goals and resolutions that I set for myself at the beginning of the year. So this past week was a blur because it was nothing but training, sitting down, marksmanship, weapons training, weapons handling, uh, a lot of uh what they call snapping in is when you you focus in on your your target and learn about trigger control and all that stuff, all the fun things that come with being a Marine. So uh, that, and then, like I said, what do they want us to go pull weapons at down four motherfucking 30 in the goddamn morning? <laughs> Ain't even no sunlight going to shine until down seven, six thirty. Well, time's supposed to push forward and fuck that first off because... I live for um, fallback. I really love it. I don't know what it is, if, if it's a mental thing or what, but I absolutely feel so much better in the morning when I'm waking up. During spring forward, I always feel like I just didn't get enough sleep. So adding to an extra earlier morning than I'm uh, used to is just like uh, an adjustment. It's not nothing that I haven't done before, but it's just whew, all all week next week, I'll probably be up at like four o'clock in the morning just to get myself together and then head down to the range. But like I said, just going to be qualification, getting that knocked out, getting that entered. And hopefully, you know, seeing that promotion uh, message come down range in um, June and, and seeing my name on it. And if not, then you know what? I have come to the understanding within myself that if this isn't it, then you know, I, I I feel like I feel like I'm gonna be good either way, but I'm leaning more towards if I can get that promotion, then awesome. 
So that's a little bit of stuff going on with me. I just came back from my son acing it at his basketball game. And uh, the, the way this boy talks to me about basketball just makes me feel like I don't do enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was like, do you know what a fast break is? And I was like, no. He was like, yeah, it's when you steal the ball and go down. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, my shot is wet. And I'm like, I don't. Okay, you know, but I'm just trying to support him and his his little basketball dreams. Uh, I was telling y'all last week when it came to like the whole Momo situation that uh, my son don't really partake in that. Like when he's on his tablet, he's looking at a lot of different sports compilations. He's really into sports, so I'm glad about that. And on top of that, he's a great student. So he had a, a rough day yesterday because we actually had to sit down and do uh, homework and reading and math and all that stuff. But in order for him to get up on the court or on the field, you have to be a good student as well. So I have to always just make sure that he um, isn't just chasing sports dreams, but also ensuring that he has um, a great education background behind him and that he's taking that serious. So um, that was kind of my week and everything that I got going on for this week, you know, it was, I feel like um, it wasn't much going on in celebrity news this week. Uh, we got a lot of different type of documentaries. We, we're still on the R. Kelly topic. I told y'all that I'm so sick and tired of it, but y'all know that he was arrested on charges of a new video that resurfaced not too long ago. And so Gail King, y'all know Oprah's BFF, uh, she was the one that was able to pull that interview um, and have R. Kelly do the first sit down since he was arrested previously. And I looked at um, clips of it. I didn't look at it in its entirety. But I can say with confidence that <laughs> that interview did zero to make me feel any other kind of way other than what I've already felt about R. Kelly. I just feel like he's guilty. Um, he's finally getting caught up in the shit. Um, there's no many, there's, there's not much that he can do to prove to me otherwise. And a lot of the things in his body language and the way that he was trying to overtalk Gail throughout the interview, like I said, from the, the clips that I did get to see, um, just was more so trying to get the upper hand before the questions were asked. So he wouldn't have to answer anything that was too crazy, but I don't think he realized that it ended up making him look like 10 times bad. Um, there's nothing <laughs> in that interview that made me say that, you know what? I don't know. I think that R. Kelly, a Robert Sylvester Kelly is, uh, you know, I, I think he's innocent here. Um, obviously black Twitter took a hold. A lot of them, um, were commenting and giving their, um, point of view on it as well. And a lot of them are like with me, as far as that's concerned, a lot of them believe that he was way too emotional and uh, nothing that he did really made a solid, solid case for him to prove his innocence. Um, later on in the week, they brought on Azriel Cleary and jo Jocelyn Savage. I always screw her name up, but they brought her along and uh, them two along, which are their living girlfriends, I believe 21 and 23. Azriel is the 21 year old and uh, Jocelyn is the 23 year old. And they've been with him since they were about 16 
well, now I take that back. Seventeen, because y'all know he was, he was, he was his later victims. He waited just a little bit longer, waiting until they were edging on eighteen before he, you know, took them under his wing. Um, but they sat down with Gail King later on in the week and expressed that they believed that their parents were trying to extort money from R. Kelly. Now, my thing with um, this whole situation with those two girls is that I honestly do believe that their parents had a clue about what was going on. And to a certain extent, it didn't go their way. I think that they were trying to get them into the music industry and thought that R. Kelly was um, the the means to get them into uh, being famous, basically, into getting them notoriety um, from their ties to R. Kelly. I think that was exactly what the point was, but it didn't go their way. Way and Robert was able to basically um, <laughs> walk away with the girls and, and them never see their kids again, basically. I don't understand how you take your kids to these R. Kelly concerts and and, and this is after the, the, it was the sex tape of the early 2000s and the trial and take them there and for them to get up on stage and for you to be okay with it and, and to encourage them to do so. So I believe that there is a lot of, um, as far as those two girls are concerned, I believe that the parents played a huge part in why they're in the situation that they're in now. Um, that doesn't take any of the accountability off of Art Kelly at all to me. I just think that the parents could have done a better job of protecting their kids. And now they're in a space where they're being taken care of. Um, they're living semi-lavishly, <laughs> apparently, um, you know, have to be something that they are benefiting from to stay in that relationship. Um, it's a polyamorous relationship that they, you know, they're in. And I know that, uh, Gail was trying to get a lot of information, but she wasn't able to. Azrael was very um, defensive um, throughout the entire interview from jump. Like she didn't want to answer any of the questions that were um, being given to her. And she got emotional very quickly while Jocelyn kind of held her own and was um pretty she 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 just gave the the cosign for all the things that Azriel would say or answer to Gail's questions um I just I just I don't know how I feel about their situation entirely um if y'all remember from the surviving R. Kelly series there was another girl I forgot her name but they interviewed her mother mostly um, about the situation where she actually had opportunity to go to LA and pretty much re like capture her child um, from R. Kelly. At this point, the girl is like dressing like a stud and is very um, seemingly upset that her mom was there, but then ended up calling them back and she was able to get her mom back home. And they ended up watching the interviews together and um, she expressed to her mom that she was upset about the way that R. Kelly was getting so upset. At some point, and I totally forgot about this, but at some point in the interview, Gail was talking to him and now there's memes all over the place about R. Kelly fighting for his life. He got real upset, was crying. Um, people had to jump in. He was hovering over Gail King. It got real crazy and just, he was acting like a wild man. This is like a 52 year old man. This just 
acting this way um, when being asked simple questions. If you're innocent, you're innocent. If you're guilty, you will be found out. So I just didn't understand all the emotions, but I do understand that in in the case that somebody was innocent and they were, you know, had all these claims against them that were untrue, I could see that. But R. Kelly, even just the way he was answering certain questions, um, it's kind of like he was saying my way, way past and all that stuff. And I was like, bro, like, <laughs> do you not understand who you are and what you have done and the things that we have seen? Like I told y'all, I had I didn't see the 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 sex tape that came out um back in the day. I didn't um even though it was highly circulating around uh VHS t- tapes and um people had the bootleg and it seemed like it was being sold everywhere. I absolutely remember that. Um but I didn't get a chance to <laughs> see it. Not like it was something that was highly I t- I'll take that back. It was highly sought after. Um I feel like everybody was looking for it, but I was young at the time and I didn't see the tape. Um it just seems like um, he doesn't understand how big of a deal it is and why if there are new allegations coming to the to the forefront um, that they wouldn't be taken serious considering his past. Just because you have a past and it's, it's there doesn't mean we can't consider that uh, to a certain extent. So I don't know. I'm so sick and tired of talking about R. Kelly. Just give this man his trial. He's already got locked up again, but that was for child support. So Andrea Kelly's on her rounds, of course, talking about it. And I feel a certain way about her as well because I just feel like, you know, she was behind the madness. She had an opportunity to bring a lot of shit to the front um, a long time ago. But I understand when you're living with someone who is manipulative or, um, if it, what is that Stockholm syndrome that they call it? If it's, if I, I absolutely believe that you can be in a relationship and, and feel that way and feel that strong protect, protective vibe towards your abuser. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they look at her, they don't believe that's something that she did. But I just think that after years and years of her not being associated with him, she still gets problematic with how she refers to him. And yes, that's the father of her children. But at the same time, you have to be realistic about the type of man he is. So when she's listening to his music and saying baby daddy and shit like that, it rubs me the wrong way. Um, but in in a certain sense, I get it. I'm so, I'm so tired of talking about this man. I just don't know. And I want the masses, um, the black community to understand that it's, it's okay to look directly at the point when, <laughs> when talking about R. Kelly. I I don't think there's really any point in bringing up Woody Allen or bringing up Harvey Weinstein or bringing up Elvis Priestley. We understand that they were problematic individuals as well. And we understand that there's nobody uh, really going after the fact that they were. But I do want to say I reposted something into a group that I'm in and there's absolutely has been documentaries and stuff like that about several of those uh, different, um, those people. So if, if you're really caring about being an advocate um, for sexual abuse victims, then I encourage you to go search for it. It's not hard. We're all people who have access to Google and we can do our own research and you don't got to dig in an encyclopedia anymore to find out shit. Like if you want to know those things, you would have been looked them up. So there's no reason to 
go on Facebook or Twitter or whatever your platform is and say, well, what about blah, blah, blah? Because if you would have just fucking went in Google and, 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 and searched the name, you would have seen about Harvey Weinstein's trial. You would have seen about the documentary about him. You would have seen how much of an outreach that there has been about that individual. But it's because y'all like to step in the motherfucking name of love and y'all don't want to feel guilty about doing that shit no longer. So you have to deflect and take the um, the spotlight or the magnifying glass off of R. Kelly in order to feel good about the decisions that you made. Now, like I said, I've said previously before, I'm not going to take it I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and judge people who still feel like they got to pop in an R. Kelly um, song every once in a while. They got to stream his music. That's on you. It's a personal decision of mine. I don't, I don't follow the cancel train. If I cancel someone individually, that's on me. I don't even feel a, a need to exclaim that to the public and tell them who I, I don't fuck with anymore. If I don't mess with them, they're um, ideologies and the things they believe in and the things that they do don't match with what I got going on in my life. I can, I can honestly just say that within myself that I don't mess with that person no more. I don't want to support them. I don't got nothing to do with them. I don't need to tell you and I don't need to look at you in your face and wait for you to agree with me and then judge you because you don't agree with me. You know what I'm saying? Like that I, I've talked to that about that before, but I guess I wish we could move on to something else. I'm tired of the same headlines. I'm I'm sick of the shit. Apparently, uh, so um, I hope that this comes to an end shortly. Um, I hope that we get some resolution. I hope that he goes to court and has his day. And I hope, along with his guilty, um, when they find him guilty, hopefully that he it comes with mental health. Um, behind it. I think there's something internally wrong with him. I think he had probably had a shitty tra- childhood. Um, but one thing I won't do is I won't excuse him for the actions that he's making as an adult. You just can't sit around and blame the decisions that you make on trauma. That's problematic. That shows that you you want to stay in that space and you don't want to grow and you don't want to, to get the help that you need. So I don't know. It's just the, the conversations that's been going on around R. Kelly and specific to uh, people, the, the white man trying to hold R. Kelly down. I saw something today and I believe my friend Sha had reposted it on Facebook. And it, it was funny because white folks don't really fuck with R. Kelly like that. White folks, if you looked at any of your white friends playlists right now, I guarantee you, you don't see much R. Kelly. If you didn't see it before, and I don't know how many of y'all had an R. Kelly CD in the first place. I don't think it was the white folks. I just have to say that. I don't think that they out here to 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 take away our legends and stuff like that. Um, now, uh, moving over to a, a more <laughs> harder subject to cover is Michael Jackson. Because white people really fucked with Michael Jackson. Like Michael Jackson was universal. Michael Jackson is... A true legend. Like I, I posed a question uh, a while ago when I was doing the Surviving the Series podcast to my friends and followers and listeners, and I was talking about the is, is R. Kelly a legend? Now that can go either way. Like I said, R. Kelly wasn't really an international superstar uh, to this extent of like when we're talking about Michael Jackson. So we're talking about the longevity and the cross between decades and changing the music and changing the way he did things. 
and kind of assimilating with the way New York styles went when he did butterfly and all that stuff. So, um, definitely MJ is a legend. Nobody can take that away from him, his accomplishments, the, the innovations that he made in music. You just can't, um, and it's just before I, cause I feel like I'm about to get cut off by my recorder right now, but yeah, let's, let's take a, let's take a break before I, I dive into that one real quick. I'll see you back after the break. I'm back. All right. So I left off a little bit. I was about to get into this whole Michael Jackson thing. Now, Michael Jackson passed away in 2009. Okay. This is 10 years later. I'm confused as to why it's been brought up, but at the same time, to not appear to be a uh, hypocrite because of how harshly that I critique R. Kelly, I have to examine it and and look at it with an unbiased eye. Now, I was a fan of, I am a fan of R. Um, of Michael Jackson. I was a fan of R. Kelly until the documentary aired. Um, I cannot. I, I cannot explain more that I cannot take away any of his talent away from him. Any of the music that he's made, R. Kelly makes amazing, great music. He has an amazing voice. <sighs> All right. It is very hard for me to look at Michael Jackson with the same eye as R. Kelly. And... I will be honest. I will be transparent here and say that I did not watch Leaving Neverland and I absolutely have HBO. I don't know why the fuck I still have it because I, I literally just wait for Insecure to air. <laughs> but we got HBO. We got, you know, Showtime and all that. So I was able to catch um, that it was airing. But I, I put my blinders on. <laughs> <laughs> to the Michael Jackson thing. And I'm, I beat myself up about it because um, I don't know if I'm acting like that family member that, you know, chooses the blind eye when they know that somebody in their family's fucked up. And we all know that. So I, I'm beating myself up about it. I didn't watch it though. I, I ain't lying. Last week I was almost like, I knew it was airing. I think I said something about it. And it was because I am such a deep fan of Michael Jackson, a lot of his earlier work uh, before the vitiligo. Like I'm before the vitiligo and before the actual, um, the whiter or pale skin, that was my Michael Jackson. The Thriller album meant a lot to me. Off the Wall meant a lot to me. Jackson 5 meant a lot to me. Even when they did um, the Jacksons growing up, a lot of their songs are bops to me. And I... I just, oof, I don't know how I feel about looking at that. And then something within me is like, bitch, I don't know. Maybe he was out here touching the babies. I'm not sure. And it, uh, the whole conversation around Michael Jackson is just in in a comparison. Now, I can't do anything but compare it to R. Kelly. And the only difference between the two really is the fact that R. Kelly is still amongst the living. So I, I really try to be... I'm really just trying <laughs> to not be a hypocrite when it comes uh, to them. But let me just let me just give y'all some of the facts though, real quick. Shout out to and I'm gonna call I'm gonna call my friend Moglo. Um, Moglo is 
um, my friend who just has ever since I started the podcast, and this is a this is a side part, um, has just given me, pushed me and said, hey girl, are you going to record today? What's going on? I can get you some notes. So Mo Glow got me some notes for the show. <laughs> and um, so that's where I'll be getting all of my notes from. So I appreciate you again. I always shout her out um, because she keeps me honest and you need a person to keep you honest from time to time. So back to Leaving Neverland, that was the name of the documentary that they released. Um, like I said, I can't speak in depth towards anything that happened within it because I didn't watch it. And, um, to me, it is just, I don't know. There's too many conflicting, (laughs) there's too many conflicting things that I did read in articles, um, the, that summarized the, that the documentary and it's, it's, if I'm pausing and umming and all that is because it's it's a lot of shit that Michael Jackson did that was that was problematic. I just don't. I honestly don't agree with a grown ass man sleeping with kids. I don't. In a sense, uh, in a, uh, it's just it's touchy to me. And I wish it wasn't because then y'all have y'all have. Um, People who say, well, this is why men are the way they are with the um, fragile masculinity or was it toxic masculinity, that new term that we've embraced over the last year or so, uh, when we don't let men um, be the same nurturers or protectors or embracers as women are um, because nobody has a real big deal about women doing the same, sleeping in bed with kids. It's not a bigger deal as if it was a man. So I just really, if, if this whole segment of the show is a lot of me, it's because that's exactly what the fuck I feel when I'm talking about this. It's just hard. Like with, with R. Kelly, it was like he made these wildly sexually explicit songs. And so it was kind of like we kind of already knew and it just took a little bit of proof in order for us to be like okay yeah you over here you over here wilding but with our with michael jackson he was just like he was just the people's man and it's just hard to look at him under that scope and 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 call him an abuser like that oh god it's so hard and um usher i mean not usher where did usher come from I've been having discussions about Usher <laughs> all week. I love Usher and it's, I just, okay. Anyways, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah was the one who hosted this documentary. And I'm trying to think there was Wade Robson. Wade Robson is, uh, he was a former choreographer. So he's heavily known within the dance community. And he was one of the kids that accused Michael Jackson of um, touching him inappropriately and, and performing sexual acts and stuff like that. And it's come to my understanding that just Wade Robson, as well as his family and uh, another accuser and his family um, are just known to be these, these people that are out to extort. extort. There've been a lot of conflicting headlines when it comes to that. And, um, um, he was Wade Robson was actually, I remember this story. Shout out to Mo Glow Dog. I remember this story when um the uh, Crimea a River came out and um it was a big controversy because 
Justin Timberlake got Britney Spears lookalike in the video and she was sleeping around with a different man. He was just kind of stalking her throughout the video. That was kind of creepy, but um, it turned out that that kind of came from a real situation. Wade Robson ended up sleeping with Britney Spears while Justin Timberlake was. So it was real crazy. It was real wild. Um, There was another story that came out that um, one of Michael Jackson's nieces i believe she went on twitter and she had a thread um speaking about the fact that um michael jackson had hooked them up because i guess some allegations came down that michael jackson didn't want the boys talking to girls or having relationships he would get get upset with them about it and stuff like that and she kind of came i think her name is brandy jackson and she had a thread out there I got a chance to read and uh, she was pretty much claiming that that was all lies because Michael Jackson ended up getting them two hooked up together. And um, he had shared with her uh, about his dreams of uh, fame and all that stuff. So it just seemed real suspect and all that. I guess I got to do my own research. I really just, I feel like, (sighs) I feel like a lot of shit is a suspect, but I also feel like, I don't know if there's enough to make me feel the same way I feel about R. Kelly. Um, I think he was problematic for sure. I think that he did a lot of things that I wouldn't agree to, but I honestly believe that um, Michael Jackson wasn't out here touching kids. I think that he had a lot of shit again. I think both, both of them are Kelly and Michael Jackson. If he was here with us should have really invested in therapy and getting themselves together. Um, growing up the way they grew up, we all know Michael Jackson's story and Joe Jackson and just all the trauma and abuse that he dealt with as a kid. And he didn't get to have a childhood. And I I honestly believe that, uh, once he got to be of a certain height in his fame, that that was something that he yearned for so deeply is to be a kid again. And do I, um, I I don't believe it. I don't know if that sounds horrible. I just, I look at it with a, um, I'm trying to look at it from an unbiased point of view, but I honestly believe that uh, I don't, I don't believe he was touching the kids. I think he, he was getting on the border of some, I, I don't agree with the sleeping with kids. He's, he's admitted to that, but I don't think he was touching them. Uh, whew. Whew. I want to skip. I don't want to talk about this no more. Y'all see the way I'm like, y'all going to be like, you backpedaling and pussy popping hardcore on this subject. I low key got cut off on the last portion. But what I want to do right now is since we're on this, this subject, <laughs> it's been a, I, I hate that we have such like sad subjects that have been in the the public so far. Um, I talked a little bit before I left the episode last week about shows that I was watching and and I met to, while I was talking about The Star is Born, I met to tell y'all about a little show on Netflix that I watched not too long ago called uh, Abducted in Plain Sight. And I feel like since we've talked about R. Kelly and we've talked about Michael Jackson, that I just might as well segue over to this shit. If you haven't watched it, I strongly, deeply encourage you. It's kind of a horror comedy, if you will. Um, It's just a lot of shit that (laughs) that I was just like, what? So I am, um, before I get into a little brief summary about this show, I was at work 
at a work function with some of my friends and, you know, it was, it was a drinking situation and I'm drinking my little red wine, trying to be super bougie. And my friend, Kayla, she's like, girl, have you watched Abducted in Plain Sight? And I was like, no, I've heard about it, but I, you know, I've seen the memes, but I didn't really understand them. You don't understand them until... Um, you watch it. So I was like, I saw memes. I know it sounds like it's something crazy. Uh, and especially for it to be entitled abducted in plain sight, it's gotta be something wild. Right. And she breaks it down to me. Cause I'm one of those people where spoilers ain't really going to kill me that bad. Unless somebody dies. I don't want to know who the person who dies, but you can give me all of the deets all the way up to that point. I'm very much that girl. Um, so she tells me it, and a few other my coworkers are like, yeah, girl, that shit is crazy. You need to watch it, and then let me know what you think when you get finished watching it. So it was a Friday. I came home that day, um, and I did exactly that. I pulled up my Netflix. I heard it's going up to $12.99. Get y'all accounts and y'all extra $2 together because it's about to get real. Anyways, I pull up my, my Netflix. You know, I already watched you. That's some other crazy shit. I'm waiting for the last season of Orange is the New Black. I'm skimming, I'm skimming, I find it. Boom. Abducted in plain sight. I hit that thing. Already, as soon as I come in, I'm seeing the family. I'm hearing the description. I'm hearing the introduction. I'm like, okay, so this is what... <laughs> This is what I'm finna. Okay. All right. So I'm giving it a chance. I got my little food prepared. I got my little sugar-free snack together and I'm watching it. And basically it's about this family and where do they fucking live in Iowa or some shit? Some very Caucasian town, I'll say. <laughs> Uh, you know, y'all know there's towns, there's places y'all go. When y'all think of Chicago, y'all think of black. When I think of Wisconsin, Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, I think about white folks. I know we exist when I think of Kentucky. I think about white folks, but I'm there. Don't take it personal. But it's just, you, we know some places, like, I ain't really trying to roll up on a West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I just feel like it might be issues. So anyways, they from one of them places. And I'll find out. I'll probably pull it up on. Where the fuck are they from? Anyways, it's this family. They're new to the neighborhood. And it's like three girls and the parents, the mom and the dad. And they meet this man named B. He lives down the street. You know what I'm saying? Introduced himself. You know, they invited this man to dinner. They invited him in his house. And then it just starts to get weird. He starts to get fixated on one of the girls in the house. And from there, it just seeing it just gets super fucking weird. And a lot of the things that's when I think about Jocelyn Savage and Azriel Cleary. I think about abducted in plain sight. I honestly do. Um, they've allowed this man B to come in the house to sleep in the bed with the daughter. Um and just, it just, it's, it's fucking weird. At some point, spoiler alert. I just want to say there's a spoiler alert. Hey, it's a spoiler alert. Just want to tell you it's a spoiler alert. So at certain, some point, because they start getting these, these feelings that something weird is going on and, and you know, they're starting to try to kind of reel it in. But what Mr. B does is he start this little relationship with the mama on the side from the husband. So she knows that he fucking around with the daughter. But, you know, as soon as she starts to get confrontational with him, then he, B, starts the relationship with the mom. And the mom is old as fuck now. And she's talking about, you know, her little um, escapades with dude. And she's like, 
this was just like literally, it was like for real though, it was like the best time of my life. I just couldn't get enough of Mr. B. And I'm just saying, as a viewer, I'm like, what is really what what is going on? This man is messing with your child. And when I'm saying child, I don't think she was even 10 yet. She was like a good solid eight or nine or something at this time. And she knows that this man is like messing around with her kid. And then she ends up messing around with him. So again, spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert. I'm letting you know the spoiler alert. Um, so at some point, Mr. B is married, by the way. Mr. B got a whole ass family of his own. But he's still fucking around with these people. And uh, I think, how did the dad describe it? He went to the, the Mr. B stopped by his work. They went for a drive. And Mr. B was like, yo, wifey is definitely not putting it down in the bedroom like she should be. I just don't know what I could do. I just don't feel right. I need relief. <laughs> And the dad is like, relief? He's like, yeah, dog, I need you to take care of me. As in, like, perform a sexual, like, act on him in the car. And the dad is giving the interview. So if y'all have seen the meme going around, it's going to make sense in a minute. So the dad basically said, Mr. B said, he wasn't getting no relief. He just couldn't help. He was really upset about it. So... I gave him some relief. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so, okay. All right. All right. Uh, so, Mr. B is getting in with the daughter, the mom, and the dad at this point. And I just, I was just, I'm baffled. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to put two and two together. I'm trying to figure out how the fuck this shit works. And I'm just not getting it. But I continue to watch. And that's where I went wrong. So I'm trying to help y'all out. But it's still a good, it's a good, like I said, it's a horror comedy. This shit goes on for years. Okay? Um, and the mom continues to have this relationship. He didn't took, he didn't flew out. She flew out the daughter to Mr. B. Because he then came up on charges. They lied about it because he pretty much blackmailed them and said, look, if y'all try to put some some cases on me, let me let y'all know that I'm about to let the whole public know that y'all was fucking around with me too and your husband is a gay man. And, and they just couldn't take it. So they ended up kind of letting that go by. So the FBI was pissed uh, that they would let this man go loose based off of those things. So Mr. B is ordered to move away from where they're at and... <laughs> He requests her presence, the little girl's presence. At this point, she's 16, and this is how much time that has passed by over this point. And uh, she is totally, like, infatuated with this man. She's getting upset. She's having all the issues with her parents because they won't let her go see her man, or so she thinks. So she her, she basically was like, if you don't, I'm going to go on my own, and then you ain't going to know what the fuck. So mom put... Her daughter on the plane sent him, sent her to be with this man. And I'm just like, I'm rubbing my temples. I'm stressed out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. And then she comes back home um, for a little bit. And then she ended up going back out there for a long time. And that's when the FBI finally got her. But the dude was like calling and trolling the fuck out of the mom. And it was like, I don't know where she's at. And the whole time he knew where she was at. 
And uh, it was just crazy. If you got a little time on your hand, it's not even, I don't think it's about nothing more than an hour, 15 minutes. Abducted in plain sight. It is truly, truly something I've never seen or felt or, um, you know, been a part of in my whole life. And it was just like, and I'm scrolling on Facebook, you know, getting my little updates or whatever. And they talk about it's supposed to be a goddamn abducted in plain sight too. I'm like, how? How are we going to get a sequel? You old as fuck, man. I'm like, what the fuck? And the dude, I'll let y'all watch it. I already gave y'all the meat and potatoes of the shit. There's a lot of shit. There's some shit about aliens. It gets real. It's real crazy. Watch, watch that shit. Okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. While I'm on a lighter note here, let's talk about um, this last episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Are y'all watching? Are y'all bored? Do y'all miss Phaedra? Do you miss Kenya? I'm telling you, I think they're actually doing well without those two major forces on the show. We didn't get Phaedra last season, and I think the 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 fandom missed Phaedra. But I think we we bared it and with the fact of kind of trying to figure out whether or not Kenya was really married or not, uh, it was a boring plot line, but at the same time it kept us for a little bit. Now we're on what is it, season eleven and we've got Shamari DeVoe. I think I talked about her before, but she was on Boom Like a 98. Boom like a 98? Boom like an 88. Boom like an 88. We're black. Left Eye founded that group, and um, then we've got Tanya. Tanya, I don't really know her importance, but apparently she knows Nene from way back in the day. Apparently, everybody knows Nene. It seems like Atlanta is a very small town. Everybody know everybody. So, um, yeah. But this season, we're, we're dealing with, and I, I talked about it earlier when it first aired because I was looking forward to this season because I thought and I knew that we were going to see Nene like we had never seen her before. We was going to see her break down. We was going to see her be more human-like. We were going to see just a different side of Nene. Uh, but this episode just proved to me that Nene is so hurt inside and that she has a lot of things that she needs to work on within herself. So this episode was uh, we have Eva. Oh, Eva's new to Eva the Diva from Top Model fame. So I think it was the second season of Top Model that she won. I, I'm such an ANTM a- a- girl. I hate these new seasons that they didn't put out, but I watch them for the sake of being a fan of Tyra Banks and all that. But Eva's on there now and she's planning her wedding. Portia, she just got engaged. She's pregnant. Nene's dealing with Greg and his diagnosis of cancer. And I believe he is in, um, um, I can't think of the word, but he doesn't have it, but he's working on it, pretty much ensuring that he does not get uh, cancer again, that it doesn't come back. Remissal. There we go. Is that remissal? Lordy, let me look it up. I hope that's the word. If it's not, y'all tell me what it is. Remission. Yes, remission. So, um, She's doing that. Tanya, like I said, I don't know what the fuck. Mm, I don't know. Shamari's a drunk for sure. Um, I think they even mentioned the fact that she had a DUI at some point. Um, but she just actually, she drinks until like she's real fucked up. And she did that this episode. I was like, oh, girl, slow it down just a little bit. I don't know. Um, who else? Cynthia trying to force this new man to be in a relationship with her. She just need to calm down, be the lesbian that she was brought forward to be. She really trying to get in Candy's guts. And I believe it. She just needs to believe it. Candy 
is trying to <laughs> Candy is trying to get pregnant one more again, or at least via surrogate um, with Todd. And I've been hearing stuff about her relationship with Todd, so I don't know. Um, I just want everybody to get along again. I would like for Nene and Candy and all of them to be back, and I would love for them to bring back Kenya. I would, never thought I would say it. Bring back Kenya. And bring back Phaedra because I think that they would add new fresh elements to um, the franchise at this point. Phaedra's newly single. She's got a hot young man that she's dealing with now. Apollo's about to get out of jail here soon. Like we thought that shit was going to be like super long, but here, here we are. I think he's coming up on maybe two years until he gets out. I'm pretty sure. And then you have Kenya, who is a new new mom and, and still very much a newlywed. So I'm looking forward to maybe Andy kind of trying to bring it back. But I think that the ladies, unfortunately, are probably done with Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I think a lot of the fans want new faces. But I think we've seen with the addition of Shamari and Eva and Tanya or Tanya um, that we kind of like what we like <laughs> and we like motherfucking Phaedra and Kenya and so I want to see more of that I want to see them come back if if they choose to so this episode Nene did a bi-week party to which she pretty much encouraged all the girls to come with no wigs weaves clip-ons or anything like that just come in their full natural form and uh have a party and Nene's known for it she had the a gay party she had some awesome other shit she's just super extra but that's what we love Nene for so this whole episode I was kind of examining Nene and I just think that she is very uncomfortable with herself I think she's uncomfortable with her own hair I don't even know why she would do a party like that because she just seemed like from jump that she didn't want to do that like somebody put a bug in her ear about the type of party that she should do um she said that it was from the fact that um, she saw a lot of comments saying that they always in wigs and they always in weave and that they don't have hair or edges. And um, Nene, I just want, if you could possibly just bring it in real quick. And I just want to talk to you real quick. There's nothing wrong with wigs or weave. And there's nothing wrong with it if you don't got edges. If you don't got edges, girl, you look for a means to fix it until they grow in. And I just need her to understand that I absolutely saw the bot spots that were in your head. Um, with your natural hair, and I think you weren't comfortable with it. And we could see that you weren't comfortable with it. Um, when she came downstairs, there was a point that the caterers were downstairs and everybody was getting everything prepared for the party. And uh, she had this like head wrap on and I could definitely just see that she didn't really want to do it or her hair didn't come out right. And I think that's what kind of provoked the attitude problem that she had from the time that everybody started to arrive in the party. And I just want to say that all the girls looked really great without the weaves, but it looked very 90s. It looked very roller rat. And um, probably the girl that had the best hairstyle to me was Shamari before she totally tanked at the end of the night. It was between, um, yeah, like I said, like Marlo, Portia, and um, somebody else. They all had the same like little roller rat hairstyle that you're used to, like that fresh relaxer type deal. Um, so... I don't know, but I like Shamari's hair. During the party, Nene has a breakdown. And I said on Twitter that I believe that it was because she didn't like the way her hair looked. Like, I think she was like, <laughs> have you ever been mad because your hair don't turn out the way you want it to? I think that's what Nene was doing. And she took all of her anger out on Marlo. Marlo came, 
Marlo Slade. She looked beautiful, even though she's super messy. Uh, I didn't think that Marlo really even had that much hair, but it was surprising. Just, it was just good to see everybody in that element. My children are starting to wake up. It's happening. <laughs> so that mean I got to cut it short um, before they start getting crazy. Well, true is that. Anyways, um, so we find out that the day prior, Greg sent Marlo a text. She was getting her hair done. She was supposed to go to this appointment to get her hair done for um, the no wig party or whatever. So Nene, as soon as Marlo shows up, who she shows up late. Nene's always the one to get pissed at everybody for showing up late. And she is like, throughout the whole Tokyo trip, she was late for everything. And then she likes to blame it off. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going through all this shit with Greg. And she very much wants to be the victim in the whole Greg situation. And I wish she wouldn't. I wish she would just, um, you know, I don't want her to hold it in. But I also don't want her to be bitching so much because she's not the one that's dealing with the chemo, the radiation and all that stuff. But I also know as somebody who has dealt with it or watching it, my mother has been a caretaker for pretty much any of my family members who fell ill. We had a few family members who had cancer. My grandma ended up going into a nursing home. So I, I totally understand what it feels like um, from the outside looking in. To be a caretaker and the stressors that come with that, but I just think Nene needs some some kind of way to better deal with that situation. She needs to go to therapy. She needs to have something that she does or time to herself, so she doesn't have all of that rage pent up. Because it can be a process where you feel very much alone because you're the one dealing with the the changing the colostomy bag and. And um, taking them to these appointments or feeling that ultimate fear, like when you see them sleep, are they really sleep? Are they dead? I get it, Nene, but I feel like she just, all of that anger that she has, she puts on other people and that's not healthy either. Um, and I feel like she did that to Marlo when Marlo was just trying to be a good friend. Greg reaches out to Marlo because um, Greg then went out and got these, these shears or something, cuts his finger, goes to the hospital. It's about to get released, but then they found out there's a blood clot. Blood clots are extremely like scary. Like a blood clot can travel up to your brain or to your heart and kill you instantly. Okay. So it's just, I can understand where she's coming from and why she's so stressed out. I would have told her as a friend to cancel the fucking party. Like, there's another way. There's a we we can deal with this and we can come back and um, re, redo this. Like we don't have to do this now. I just really wish that she would have done that instead of taking it out on Marlo, who stopped everything she was doing and tried to contact her. And, and Nini was just she insisted on arguing with Marlo, and I wish she hadn't. And so Nini breaks down. Uh, and it kind of like dismisses herself for them the entire party as a whole. Like uh, she starts crying. Her and Marla go upstairs to have uh, more of an understanding because Marlo at this point is about to leave because she just feels attacked. Well, she should have. Um, and the girls, meanwhile, they're downstairs. They're getting drunk. They're getting, uh, the, the, you know, they're you know they're having a party. And Shamari's drinking. She's drinking. She's drinking more drinking. And uh, at some point, she gets super drunk, and and then she throws up on Eva. And Eva has to go upstairs to get new uniforms. And uh, not new uniforms. Uh oh, it's happening, y'all. She has to go upstairs to get new clothes from Nini. So she goes upstairs to get her new clothes, and all the other girls pretty much follow up. 
And uh, at some point, um, the girls want to see Nene's closet because she didn't talk mad shit to the girls about her closet looking better than theirs. And it becomes this big issue. So Portia, Candy, Shamari. Did Shamari go in there? I don't think she did. Did she leave? I thought she left. Well, Portia and Candy, for sure. They went into the closet and uh, they kind of went in there without permission. She was upset. She was like, what the fuck y'all doing in my closet? But when the cameraman goes into the closet, then it got real. Nene gets up. She pulls the cameraman, rips this man's shirt with that much force. And then the episode kind of closes. Like I said, I feel like I wish she would have canceled the party because she's just going through way too much stuff. So this next episode coming up tomorrow will um, kind of give us the final what happened after she didn't tour this cameraman. <laughs> this man just trying to do his job. But I do understand because, you know, like when you have your house set up a certain way for filming, not that I know, I don't have anything in here to film, but you might have that one room that, you know, don't nobody need to go in. You don't need to, don't nobody need to go in that room to open that door. And for Nene, maybe her closet was that door. At least it seemed like she didn't feel a certain way until the cameraman went in there. I think with Portia and Candy, she was kind of okay. She was just being very jokey about it. But when that cameraman went back there, girl, she flew towards that man. She ripped this man. She Hulk Hogan the shit out of that man's shirt. And I heard she got suspended, but I'm not sure. But I, I wish that Nene takes a small break, at least until Greg Leaks goes into complete remission following his diagnosis of cancer. I heard the guy all the cancer, but you know, there's still precautionary measures that you have to do even after you've been found to be cancer free. You just have to. So um, I'm wishing the best for that. I definitely want to talk about Nene a little bit. I hope she gets her shit together. Like, I just can't imagine. Um, what she's going through right now, but she just needs to do, she needs to deal with it in a more healthy way. So I hope she absolutely does do that. We'll be back here shortly. And we're going to close out the show because true is about to get lit over here. So I'll be right back. All right, y'all. So we're going to close out the episode. I thank y'all so much for just bearing with you, girl, because it's just a lot of stuff going on. I just had issues, and I just remembered um, that we are in retrograde once again with the Pisces moon. So are y'all dealing with y'all emotions well? Well, welcome to my world, motherfuckers. I'm a Pisces, and we're in a Pisces moon, and so I know y'all is probably going through it right now. So I just want to say welcome to my world. Welcome to these feels, okay? Um but it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but thank you for being with me and all my bullshit. Um, the episode almost featured True. She's oh there, and there goes it. Um, she's really over me right now <laughs> because I haven't picked her up yet. But I just want to say thank you again for all your support. Send me all the positive energy prayers, sage burning, all of that. If you could, I got a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, my March is toe up from the flow up. Your next episode might be getting right from my iPhone and it might be a 10 minute one. This next week is about to be crazy. Um, but again, if you logged on to your Apple podcast, your Google, your Spotify, and, and you clicked on, so there's that podcast. I just, I got so much love for you. Like we go together and I appreciate the support thus far. This far. Woo Lord. As always, thank you. And so there's that. I'll talk to you guys next week.